distinguished adventurers, welcome to another episode of our new campaign where this group of companions, I guess we're going to call them, they've ended up in Yongjing looking for a way to get a hold of a bunch of ceramics. Specifically, they're looking for ceramics in order to make a specific thing for their spell jammer. And as they've arrived in the city, they've gotten a lot of information from a bunch of different people about various things that have been going on, including a mysterious explosion that happened a little while ago and unfortunately killed a couple of very well-known potters, including someone that Thaviapin recognizes as a name related to someone that he was told to go talk to. In the tavern, as they had come to get some food and get some more information as everybody was chatting and tracking a few things down and coming up with a plan, Zephala noticed that peculiar figure managed to slyly reach into Thaviapin's pocket and come away something that's not theirs and was able to shout that out to everybody just as this individual jetted out of the doorway. And so it is with that that we will begin tonight's game. We will be beginning tonight's game in initiative. And so as we go around the table and I ask everybody who, who are you playing and what you're drinking, I will also be getting your initiative rolls. Since I'm going first, while I won't be giving my Master Thieves initiative roll just yet, I will be saying I'm drinking a bunch of ginger ale because we finally got in a whole bunch more of Luke's soda stream. So ginger ale. Makes me happy. Also, I am the person in charge of the dedication for this episode. This episode is dedicated to John Adi. Thank you very much for being one of our Patreon patrons. We appreciate you. If you would like to have an episode dedicated to you, stop by our Patreon and see uh, what's available. And maybe you can have an, an episode dedicated to you. With that, Jonathan, who are you playing, what you're drinking, and what's your initiative? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play the Goblin Barbarian, uh, El Torito. I'm drinking water because I just played an excellent nine holes of golf, and now I am here. And uh, my initiative roll, thanks to this uh, natural 20, is 22. Hey, very nice. Excellent. Uh, moving around the order on my Zoom screen, Jules, who you playing, what you drinking, and what's your initiative? Hi, I'm Jules. I'm playing Una. I've also got water, but... I've got it in a cool, spooky cup. Oh, that is a cool cup. Ooh. Very spooky. Very spooky. That's yeah. cool. Uh, the other thing I had was a Butterfinger, which <laughs> that's my that's my treat for today. And um, after rolling a natural three, my initiative roll is a six. All right. And continuing around, Jack, who are you playing? What you drinking? And what's your initiative? Good people of the Radiant Citadel. Uh, my name's Jack. I play uh, Thaviapin. I almost said Travancore there. <laughs> well, you know, we're we're all learning to get into these new characters. 100%. It's fine. And uh, I was in, in, in game, of course, I got shot pickpocketed, so I had no time to grab a drink from the bar. Um, in real life, I'm putting kids to bed. One of them just ran into the room, uh, so there was no time to grab anything to drink. So, uh, oh, and my initiative? 18. Very nice. And finally, the person who... Or the person whose character actually saw the deed happen. John, who are you playing, what you're drinking, and what's your initiative? Hey, I'm John. I'm playing uh, your Arcana cleric, Zephalin. It is finally fall here up in the Pacific Northwest, so I'm enjoying a good cup of tea. Uh, and this tea today is from Friday afternoon, and it is Found Family. 
uh, which if you would like, hey! Lauren, you could tell us more about. Uh, and my initiative with a natural seven was seven. Well, everyone's like, it's a natural this, it's a natural that. I will not plug my tea too well, hard, I will but I will say tea. it's... So for those of you that don't know, uh, our humble DM, Lauren, has a tea that she helped design, I guess, or craft with the good folks over at Friday afternoon called Found Family. And I like Lauren enough to plug her tea, and her tea is delicious. And it is aged tea, well, black tea, you. blackberries, green sage, and nettle. So it's earthy, it's fruity, it's delicious. There. It is hardcore blackberry. Now that you don't have where... to plug your own thing, Lauren. I need to buy some of my, my own tea. They, they've been out for Yeah, a they were while. at Rose City Comic Con, and I went, oh, do you, and I was like, I didn't even ask, I don't know, I didn't know what it was called. I was like, do you, do you have Lauren's tea? I feel like a lot of internet figures have their own, like, beverage now. Like, uh, Lauren has her tea, Brandon Perna has his coffee. I mean, it was either that or a vodka, so there we, no, that's not true. So I have some very good friends who were very nice and for my birthday at the beginning of the year bought me this. You can go and sit down and uh, Friday will craft with you a tea. And so that's what happened. Uh, and then they were very nice and wanted to actually sell it as well. But you know what? My tea is not being sold at this tavern because this tavern is not a tea place. Uh, maybe some other tea places will have my blackberry sage tea. But let me give a, a tiny little description because Zephalin was able to point this person out and say what was happening. And so you were all able to get like a brief glimpse of a short human, baggy black pants and kind of a cream colored button down shirt wearing a brown cap with no, with all their hair either short or tucked under it. And yeah, they bolt as soon as they're called out. And so as fast as they are. Lauren, I was going to say, before we get into the chase, could I, since I don't know if we actually did it last episode, I can't remember, it's been a minute. Can I do a kind of like insight perception check to like gauge the skill of this thief? Was it more of Thaviopin just being, you know, not paying attention or this thief is good? Here's what I'll say. You don't have to roll for it because in this chase, part of the thing is that if you want to do any skill checks, that's going to be an action. But since you were the one who noticed it happen, you're not sure how good they are. It's hard to tell when you've only seen one action happen, but they did seem rather smooth and everyone was very distracted. So it was definitely a combination of the two. So you think this is someone who who must be at least pretty good. And it is with that, and if, if you all want to talk about what you want to do first, uh, you can go ahead. But El Torito, you are going to go first. What would you all like to do? El Torito bolts after him. Uh, on... Speedy goblin feet, as since he is a barbarian, his uh, speed is 40 feet. Awesome. You go running after, you manage to get to the door just as it's closing, as this guy had bolted out. Uh, you get out the door and you don't see him offhand. All right, I will use my action for a perception check. This is gonna be good. This is gonna be great. My minus one, zero. Did you roll a natural one? I rolled a natural one, <laughs> and I get a minus one. So, yeah, oh. he's first roll of the night. He's gone. Zero. No, my first roll was a crit. Oh, that's right. That's technically, true. that what we We've were recording had... it when we rolled initiative. So technically, that is true. <laughs> okay. 
Why does um why does Alterito fail at this perception check? I he's just not very persuasive. He expected to see, you know, baggy clothes, you know, trundling down the street, but that's not what he sees. It's like, oh, I swear he was just here. So with a zero, which is the funniest thing to say, there there's still it, it's not like you don't hear or see anything. So you you just notice the regular things. You are in a section of Yangjing that is the kind of the the market district and where some of the businesses are right next to where the kilns are. The sun has gone down, so there's only a few people around. It's not fairly busy. It seems to be a clear night, but you don't see a moon just yet. So it's a little on the dark side, although I believe you might have dark vision. Uh, I do indeed have dark vision. So you're looking around. You you take a, a second to listen. You don't hear anything. You don't smell anything. You're, you are unsure which direction this guy might have gone. And as a bonus action... He's going to hide. Sure. Give me a stealth check. He's, his little goblin goblin senses. He's going to fade into the shadows and see if he sees anything else. 11 for stealth. All right. You fade into the shadows, kind of right there beside the door to this to this bar. And then something happens. And then it's Thuvy Uppin's turn. Oh, boy. So can't see him. So mind spiking him's T.O.Q. Well, I will say the rest of you haven't made it right. outside just yet. So if you would like to yeah, get outside. I'll use my full motion to just get outside and just bolt in whatever direction I think the the, assail- the thief is going. Okay. Would you like to do a perception check to see if you can see him or something else? I think maybe. And I have a technical question about this because I'm reading the description from Mage Armor and I'm realizing I'm a squishy wizard now. So this might be a good idea for me to do this going forward. It says third. It might Base AC becomes 13 plus my dexterity modifier. I'm trying to figure out how that changes my my current hit points. I'm not sure what my base AC is now other than... Oh, armor it, class, right? Yeah, it only changes it doesn't your change armor my, class, my hit points, but it's going right. to... Okay, that's what... No, but it, it makes you way less squishy. So if you would oh, like to... Yeah, I'm going to cast Mage Armor then as my action. Just because right. it'll, it'll make me a 13 as opposed to a 9. As you come running outside, what does it look like when you cast Mage Armor on yourself? Oh, wow. I'm thinking that Thuvyuppin, during his foster years, has picked up some really interesting, unique armors, and he just sort of picked different things he liked. So I think it's sort of like traditional, like, I guess there's elements of what you would call traditional medieval battle armor, but there's also, like, some elements of different cultures you would, like, identify, like, from from our world or whatever. Um, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. Is it like the it. RPG character that gets a bunch of good individual items that don't match, but the stats are good, so you rock them anyway? <laughs> no. Well, that's what I'm picturing more, when the way you described it. <laughs> quite the opposite. Because he is so obsessed with style, even to the extent of substance, like, I think it's going to be something that where it's, like... It's an armored version of his normal outfit, but there's a shimmer and a shine to it because mm. transformation. I don't think anime is a thing in this world, but if it were. Anime is not a thing, but if you would like to have an anime transformation, it can absolutely happen. A ribbon has to wrap around your body and tie itself in a bow. It doesn't make any sense, but it does make the shape of your armor. I'm an illusionist. I can conjure that happening while I'm casting, I guess. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, why are there all these ribbons? Oh, shit, he's got armor. Yeah. Like, that's the... People are like, wow, that seems like a lot for this, but you know what? And because it's my character, a tune not too different from the transformation music from King Arthur and the Knights of Justice plays. Very quietly. Excellent. And El Torito, you rolled an 11 in your stealth check? Mm-hmm. Thavi, up and with your passive perception, you 
you kind of notice out of the corner of your eye your goblin companion hiding in the shadows. Okay. All right. And uh, any bonus action, or is that it? I think that's it. All right. Zephalen, you're inside. You've watched two of your companions rush out after this thief. Great. Uh, just a point, since this is the first like initiative with uh, my familiar, are we just having her share my initiative? Or did you want me to roll a separate one for her? Let's go ahead and have your familiar go share your initiative and either go before or after. I'll let you, I'm, I'm going to try to be a little flexible about this for anyone who has, but okay. yeah, just for, to make it easier. Really All right. So I'm going to run out my 30. You burst outside. You see Thavi Uppen in fabulous ribbon bedecked armor. Uh, your passive perception is also high enough. You notice out of the corner of your eye, uh, El Torito skulking on the side of the building. Trying to hide. You can just say he tried to hide. Listen, listen, just because people have had a high enough passive perception doesn't mean you're not hidden from some people. Is the, uh, is the six words, because it's six seconds initiative, the free thing still with you? Uh, yeah, I'll be flexible about the six words. Savi Oppen, you're looking svelte. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. <laughs> and then as I will, I'm going to hold a, let's see, mind sliver. Because it's a cantrip. Mm. And and the trigger is if Gizmo is able to spot the thief. Uh, All right. And then I'm going to command Gizmo to fly her 40 and then try to make a perception check now. And then as a using uh, her smell sense. Which direction is Gizmo going? I, I think I'm just going to have her fly up to kind of get like a bird's eye view of the area to kind of get a, a pick of where to send us. So as a Tressum... Uh, keen sense on smell, and uh, within 60 feet of her, magical invisibility fails to concede anything in case that comes into play. Okay. Okay, that will be a 21 on Gizmo's perception. So, it's interesting because this is, this is smell. It's not that Gizmo sees the person, the thief, but something about the way... A side alley that's about 30 feet away, the entranceway to the side alley, has a a stink to it. But it's got the stink of someone has ran through it. And you know how odor, you know, just like smoke will will waft and move as uh, something quickly moves through. Someone quickly moved through this area. And so enough of the odor has wafted up to them. She'll use the rest of her movement to start heading that way because she has a fly speed of 40. So that way it tells all of us which way to go without people having to do perceptions because she's not trying to be stealthy. And are you telling anybody? I'm assuming you're saying this If I'm allowed to, yes. I would be like, follow Gizmo. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Follow Gizmo. Oh, okay. Follow Gizmo. And Una, you hear that from inside as everybody's starting to rush out. What would you like to do? Una's, I assuming, I'm assuming still talking to the bartender, right? That conversation had just come to a pause as all of this had gone on. Now you're welcome to stay in the bar and keep chatting or chase after this thief, whichever you'd like. She looks at the bartender who she assumes has a very good um, idea of everyone's profession. <laughs> and she goes, it does present a bit of a professional ethics quandary don't you think well you know it sucks when he's in my bar whoever he is it does it does una's gonna think about it and she's gonna go you know i think they have it i think they have it there's not like oaths or honor among thieves 
but there's not not honor among thieves, if you know what I mean. She's just kind of thinking, you know, I don't mess with other people's income. <laughs> so she's like, can I have another beer? Uh, absolutely. She, The bartender will laugh and pour you another beer and say, well, I don't know anything about the professional ethics of thieves, uh, except that if they steal from me, then I will be more than happy to punch them. Uh, but yeah, sure, here you go. And she will get you a beer. I stay out of that part, too. And she pulls out a business card. She goes, you know, I'm actually an import-export. And she... <laughs> out of curiosity, because she's going to take the business card and then we're going to go back into initiative. What does the business card say? It says Una's Fine Fruits. And it has... She she paid a I this is where you're gonna decide whether or not this works. It has um one sending spell in it. Like it's like having your email on a business card, like or your phone number. And so it's like and then it has in some fine print and it says please please only use during normal operating hours, um, which is whatever the like Faerunian equivalent of nine AM to five PM. Here's what I'll say, because I, I think this is adorable. Yes, it can have a sending spell on it. Here's the caveats. It can only send to you. Yes. And yeah, you, you get to give out one of these cards a day. Yeah. Oh, these are these. This is networking. These cost a lot of mm-hmm. like money. I feel like I, this was. I mean, it costs money. It was all it, it, not money. It cost her a favor. It cost her a big favor. You can decide whether or not she's paid that favor off. How about that? <laughs> I like she it. She owes someone a big favor for this print run. Yeah. And or like there will be illegal goods that she has to move in and out or something she has to steal later or did steal. And that can come back to bite her in the ass. That's your choice. But yeah, she's not, she doesn't waste these, but she definitely has them. And uh, she, she's like, I move a lot of mead seasonally. Interesting. I would like to know more about this. And we're going to pause there. <laughs> and uh, back to the top of the initiative, El Torito, you've been told by Gizmo which way to go. Uh, El Torito heads that way. All right. You move your full movement into the alley. You also smell the waft of this, uh, this. This alley had something in it, like, you know, maybe a raccoon decided to, you know, do some business or something. It's not like it's dirty. It's just there's something that smells in here. Can't quite tell. You smell that and you you recognize that movement of someone through the alley, but at the moment you still don't notice or hear anybody. El Torito's going to keep moving through that alley. His biggest asset is his speed, so he's going to use it. All right. Uh, You get all the way to the other end of the alley, come to a stop. Once again, the Young Jing, because they keep building on top of each other every time the city is rebuilt, they've built now everything in very orderly rows. This is very much... Everything is in squares and very easily navigatable. And so you come to the end of this alley and are able to look down the cross street. You can see across from you is some more buildings. So so someone couldn't have just run through. It's kind of a T mm-hmm. intersection. You see a couple of figures going about what looks like their normal day. But on a quick inspection, they don't look like the person you're looking for. Uh, do you have a bonus action? Uh, yeah, to disengage or hide, so he's gonna hide. All right, give me a stealth check. Ooh. Meanwhile, 18. Okay, 
Thavi Appen, it is your turn. All right, I think I'll use my full movement to sort of head in the direction El Torito was heading in. And I guess I'll use my action to sort of do another perception check to see if I can get a clue as to where this, uh, this scoundrel is. Sure, give me a perception check. 18. With an 18, you don't see them, but you think to look up because you hear something on the building next to you, to your right, up on the roof. You think you hear movement up on the roof. Okay. I'm going to point up, and then I guess I'll use my motion on the next turn to sort of start heading, finding the easiest way to get on the roof. If there's like a ladder, fire escape, or something similar. You don't see anything obvious, but... I'll say because you gave me an active perception check, there's no ladder, there's no fire escape, but the buildings are close enough together that you think someone acrobatic enough basically parkour could parkour up there. So uh, your your best guess at this moment is whoever that was did a did a Jackie Chan up on top of the building. Okay, I will probably have to use my next turn to Jackie Chan in similar fashion. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Zafalin, it's your turn. So Fabi Oppen has run past me. And I see the direction Gizmo's flying. I see Thaviopin point up. And I touch my holy symbol. And I take my hand out and I slap Thaviopin in the ass as I run past, targeting myself and Thaviopin with a third level enhance ability. Okay. Cat's Grace, which means we would have advantage on dexterity checks and we do not take falling damage from 20 feet or less if we're not incapacitated, so that we can parkour our way up the roofs hardcore parkour all right uh, and then so let me go ahead and mark that spell slot as used and then i will have now that uh gizmo has kind of picked up on the scent trail i will have them use an active or use their uh eyeballs this time around uh, give me a perception check a 12 so fortunately between knowing kind of the general direction that this person ran in and then thubby up and Basically thinking, oh, they they must have done the parkour thing. Gizmo looks over the roof. And you think this is probably more that whoever this was has slowed down a lot, either trying to be quiet or trying to stay in the shadows or just thinking that they've lost you. But Gizmo does see this person as they crest over the tip of the roof going if you had all been running north and now the building that he has climbed up on top of is east, he's continuing east over to the alleyway on the other side of this building. And then Gizmo with her wings, yeah, with her wings just like kind of hovering in spot, goes like full pointer dog and like points in the direction, <laughs> just forgetting that they are cat based for a moment. I mean, they're familiars, so. So yeah, right. now we have a line and I will point out that Gizmo has picked up on them. And I will command Gizmo to, with their 40 feet of movement, to keep on them. The Distinguished Adventurers are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and more. Every week there's something new happening in the game, and it's available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. 
This week's code expires on October 22nd at 8 p.m. Pacific. So open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. M-A-I-N-H-U-C-K-G-A-K-S. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Una, we are back to you. You've handed over one of these business cards and you've started to have a discussion about mead. At this moment as Ophelia, you've been chatting with her. She goes to get your beer and next to you, a one of the dwarves that was sitting off in the corner that you'd noticed chatting amongst themselves comes up and kind of slams their drink on down and goes, Root? Root? Fruit. Fruit. Oh, yeah. I don't do a lot of cruciferous, cruciferous, cruciferous. No, that's broccoli. Don't do a lot of broccoli either. Potatoes last a long time, but there's really not a lot of market for them strangely you can do a lot with them i mean you don't see them a lot where we're from considering what a good street food they are but yeah fruit and fruit tangential products mead you know honey Mm. cherry and apple blossom honey that's sort of the furthest away we really get no tomatoes though people get really excited and think i import tomatoes because tomatoes are technically a fruit no and no interesting you don't see that around here a lot and una well you make pottery you notice this dwarf has slammed their their beer on down but they're still holding it with both hands kind of one hand cupped around the glass itself and the other in the handle and you speak thieves can't right Yes. Yes, it's on there. I speak common, elvish, goblin, and thieves can't. Excellent. So for those that have never played in my world, and it's been a while since you all have encountered thieves can't, uh, and none of you were rogues last game, so it was it was an interesting moment. Thieves can't in my world is a combination between a bunch of different things, but it it mostly involves hand signals of slight movements of fingers and placement of hands. It's it's almost more visual, though can, it can include some verbal if necessary. And so something about the way this dwarf says what they say, there's a, a word in there that makes you look at their hands cupped around the glass and you notice there's a finger up and a finger to the side making like a cutting motion. You know that that means basically You've seen one of us, and you're going to be quiet? She's going to continue um, on with the tomato tirade and say, you know, I would, like, tomato sauce, right? Wonderful. But tomatoes themselves, you would think it would be peaches. And I guess when the bartender comes back with, like, her own drink, um, she's going to grab it, and she's going to be like, I'm sorry, very parched. And she's going to hold it up, and she's going to drink it, and she's going to, like, basically make a symbol that says, like, She's going to like move her fingers and it's just going to be like two equal sign fingers and it's going to be like, I'm not going to interfere one way or the other. And she, and then she looks at him and she's like, the people I'm with desperately want me to start importing apples, but those also bruise pretty easily. But if they want to bring a bunch back, I'm not going to stop them. Excellent. But I'm not going to help them. 
I'm going to pause you there as you've started up this conversation. And we're come back around to El Torito, who, while very well hidden, now knows that there's there's some hardcore parkour that might need to happen to track down this thief. All right. El Torito's going to look and see if there's anything he can climb up and start a climbing. Give me a perception check. Or I will take a survival check. I'll, I'll let you give me one of the two. I think they're... Oh, no. Survival's way better for some reason. Uh, 11. With an 11, you notice the same thing Thavi Eppen did, which is these buildings are close enough together that it, it was like grab onto this stone, grab onto this bit of, of mortar, grab onto this windowsill, scramble on up. It doesn't look too hard. Well, just so. El is going to use one of his bonus actions to rage. I would like to rage. Okay. His rage is not anger. His rage is like a righteous, I'd say at this point, not even a fury. It's just like a load of self-confidence and energy. And he, and his eyes glow and he's like, ah, yes. And he starts running towards a wall and starts just trying to like climb up it. Okay. Is there music that plays when he's like doing his professional wrestling and everybody thinks it's playing from like whatever in the stadium, some kind of loudspeaker. But as it turns out, El Torito has gotten somebody to put an enchantment on him that when he goes into a rage, his signature song plays. There is, and I will share it with you guys because it is something from my marching band days. <laughs> oh my God, that's yes! amazing. Yes. This is wonderful. I love it. This is perfect. I will even add on to that, that just in case you ever want to rage and still stay silent, that uh, you know how to mute that just in case. But yes, your music goes off. Because this is going to be part of your movement, I will uh, let you do this. I need either an acrobatics or athletics check to see if you can scale the building. Absolutely. Athletics. And since it's a strength check... A strength-based check, he gets advantage, correct? He's raging? Yeah. From raging, yeah. That's why he did this. So that is going to be an 18. Yeah, absolutely. The rest of you watch. It, it's less of the hardcore parkour and more like hardcore rock climbing, except very quickly you scale to the top of this building. It's It's... Not like a multi-story building. It's just one story. You get to the top, you land on the tiled roof, and you basically at the end of your turn, at the beginning of this uh, person's turn, you see them for the first time since the chase had begun as they notice you and then you see them fumble for something in their pocket as they jump down into the alley on the other side. All right. He will use whatever movement he has left to go that direction. You've got a little bit of movement, but not too much. And at this point, it is Thavi turn. Okay, at this point, can I hear, like, around about which alley he fell into? Or they fell into, I should say? So he didn't fall. He jumped. However, I think, uh, El Torito, would you have said anything and pointed out where this, this, this person way. was going? And his eyes are wide as he, like, trundles that way as fast as he can. You can make an assumption on that, or if you would like to make an active perception check. One of the two. Maybe I'll make an assumption. Okay. Where would you like to go? Ooh, okay. I'm trying to think of the map in my mind here. Based on, I'm just going to head whatever direction, like my judgment would say, that, that they'd be in. So the building's only up there. Yeah. If, if he saw them, he only saw there's only one or four places he could have gone. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that, like, since 
for whatever direction El Torito was chasing him, he probably headed straight the opposite direction. He probably didn't go left or right. I That's my guess. So I'm going to head in that direction toward whatever alley's closer to that. All right. You dart around the corner into the regular street. You book it down whatever this building is and look down the next alley to the east. And yeah, you see him for a moment. And then he disappears right in front of you. Oh, oh man. Give me an arcana check. Okay. Arcana. Arcane is pretty good at this. Ow. Well, I, my bonus is good, but I got a nine. Okay, you're practiced arcanist of magic. And so, well, you don't exactly know what happened. It's magic. There's something. Magic just happened. Okay, I still have an action. Um, let me think. You do? I think from mine's but I need to be able to physically see him, so that's not going to work. Okay, I'm going to cast Flaming Sphere in wherever I saw him disappear. Okay, go ahead. So, Flaming Sphere, it just appears... And if I remember correctly, it's there's like a radius, and if someone's in that radius, yeah, so they a take damage. Yeah, five foot diameter sphere. For reason of players, any creature enters turn within a five foot sphere of the sphere must take a dexterity saving throw. They take two die six fire damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. And you've where, placed it where, where just where I saw the last him place you yeah. saw this. Because if he's still there, he's still there, unless he teleported out of there or something. I guess we'll find out. Uh, what is your spell save, DC? Ah, but do do spell save. It's um, deck, a dex, it's a dex save okay. for a 14, yeah. So here's what happens. Uh, I got to make one more roll real quick. So the whole alleyway lights up as soon as you plant this glowing red hot sphere in the middle of it. You still don't see him, but you do hear the distinct sound of... Someone tumbling, as as in like making a a tumble, a dodge out of the way, further from you. So essentially going back in the direction of the bar, and you hear the tinkle of glass. And curiously enough, you don't see anything set alight. You know when you make this sphere happen that even if you don't put it in the, even if they they dodge out of the way most of the time. They should catch on fire at least a little bit. You don't see any of that, but you do hear them dodge, and you do hear the tinkle of glass. When you look down kind of under the sphere, you see something glint. Do you have a bonus action you want to do, or is that it? That's all I can do. All right, Zephalen. Heading in the direction that Thaviopin pointed out, the tumbling, with a passive of 16, do I notice that as well? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, you would have also heard Thuvy up and cast the spell, because yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure that includes some verbal components. I am going to start heading in that direction so that I can hopefully be within 90 feet. And then I am going to hold a sleep spell and then use Gizmo's sight and look through Gizmo's eyes, who can see invisibility, to try to find this thing to cast sleep on the thief. So right. I will mark the spell slot since I am holding it. So you go around the corner, you follow Thavi up, and you come up next to him. You see this whole alleyway lit up by the sphere. I'll even say that you do see the, the glow, the, the shine of something glass on the ground. You don't see anything. You don't hear anything. Gizmo flies on over and gets above this second alleyway, and yes, Gizmo does see them. 
They have continued down the alley and around a corner, but they've only just barely gotten around the corner. Is that within 90 feet of me? Yes. All right, then I my sleep would trigger. All right. Roll your D8s. Let's see if you put this. Uh, oh, a, no. That's a terrible roll. So with 5D8, I rolled an 18. Mm. Dang, that was, good. that was so clever. That was, that was really good. That was really good. Here's what I'll give you. You know you haven't put this person to sleep. I'll say you know that because of the spell. You know where this person is thanks to Gizmo. I'm going to say you hear a yawn. You still don't see this person, but you do hear the yawn down the way. <laughs> Alterito, follow the yawning, but visible man. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Uno, we are back to you. This dwarf that you've been talking to has now... You've been chit-chatting back and forth, and the dwarf has invited you back to the table with the other dwarf that the two of them have been chatting at. And in Thieves' Cant, they've made the a couple of signs that basically say, "Are if you're interested in business, come this way. If not, no harm, no foul. Basically, we can break this off if you're not interested. I suppose it's sort of a depends situation because we are in the market for something. And and she sighs and she says, and she kind of makes a like not tonight sign. She says, you know, my companions always pay their taxes. And she asks for another beer. Excellent. The dwarf nods and then lifts the mug that he has to you and turns to leave. What he says out loud is, no worries, enjoy the rest of your evening. The sign he gives is... Basically, the equivalent of, if you change your mind, we'll be here tomorrow night. And she sort of gives him, like, like the little, like, you betcha kind of thing. Like, because she's not going to make unilateral decisions. Her name is Una. She doesn't make unilateral decisions Ba-dum-ba. on behalf of the group. There we go. That's the pun. That's the one pun. That's the one. Time. Yep. All right. But with that pun out of the way, El Torito, you've heard all of this. You've heard the fire. Everything's going on. Okay, so it sounded like they descended. Yeah, I'm going to say at this point, because of what the others have yelled out and because of what you saw, you know this person basically jumped back down into the alley and booked it in the direction that would be back towards the bar, that you, the tavern that you were just at. So pretty much at this point, almost made a full circle around this building. All right, El Torito is going to follow and do a flying leap off of the building. And is going to do his best to tuck and roll, but honestly, he kind of wants to hurt himself to keep his rage going. Okay. You don't take any falling damage, right? I probably will. I don't have anything that'll prevent falling damage. Zaviopin was the one I gave the cat's grace to, which negates 20 feet. Oh, okay. So yes, you may- I can hear Bernie being like, I don't heal that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you dive off directly into the alley? No, he's like, he's trying to take a flying leap in the direction that the guy is going. Ah, okay. Give me an athletics check. All right, 22. My tea strainer opened up and I just got a mouthful of leaf. (laughs) Oh, no. You didn't even get any of the blackberry? Not in that mouth. I mean, the flavors I got, but that mouthful was just a mouthful of leaves. Interesting. You make a flying leap. You've been told by your companions where to leap towards. You don't see this person. You don't hear this person. You don't smell this person. But you trust and make the leap. You tuck and roll really nicely. And you wouldn't have taken any damage, except you 
bump into something as as you're coming up out of the roll to land on your feet. Instead, you kind of face plant into nothing and fall back onto your your butt. You take one point of damage. And he is going to try and do as soon as he hits something like he's going to try and quickly do like a spin with his hammer just at the feet. Okay, go ahead and make me a attack roll at disadvantage because you still, while you've bumped into what you think is this person, you still do not see them. Okay, I'm going to go reckless and I'm going to, I'm really just, I'm not doing lethal damage. I'm just trying to trip them up. Sure thing. All right, so straight roll, uh, 17. That hits. Go ahead and roll damage. All right. So technically, I am doing uh, fury damage with this for the divine fury. Again, if if I want to have that, everything can be non-lethal. Okay, great. All right, then, including magic, including all of it, it can all be non-lethal because why not? Eleven tripping damage. Okay. Here's what happens, and that's the end of your turn, right? Yes. You connect. You solidly connect. You hear the grunt of pain as you slam into uh, kind of the upper thigh of whoever this is. You still do not see them. You don't think you've tripped them up because you you kind of felt, and I'm going to say your, your wrestling training comes into play because a lot of the I should have grappled take... him. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, your wrestling still comes into play. You're used to having to basically coordinate with your adversary, quote unquote, in order to do that kind of tumbling and rolling. And so you're not always looking directly at the person that you are grabbing or getting grabbed by. So you can tell whoever this was that you just hit managed to roll with the force of your hammer and not quite take as much damage as they would have had they just been standing there. But you do hear that, ugh as you've solidly connected with them. Rogues. All right. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) They're fine. It's just I don't like fighting them. I like fighting as them. I know. I do. Rogues, man. All right. El Torito, you hear the footsteps. I'll give this to you because this, this person, while they are disengaging and running, they are no longer doing it stealthily. And so you hear them start to run down. This is still going east. And uh, you hear them run away. Uh, so he technically Oop. did disengage. Yes. Okay. He, he, dis- As... he disengaged. Huh. To, to uh, give you all the... Someone else has a bonus action disengage too. It's like they uh, made the disengage action and then they also dashed. It's okay. like they've got a cunning action or yeah, so. Yeah, uh, El Torito says, oh, uh, I believe he went this way. I-, I bumped into him and then I bumped into him with my hammer a little harder. Not trying to kill him, just just trying to slow him down a bit. Thaviapin and um, Zephalin, you hear all of this, but Thaviapin, it's your turn. Okay, based on what I hear, I want to move in whatever direction um, I believe the assailant or the uh, thief is. And because I'm the assailant in this situation, and as my bonus action, I should be able to move, gosh, what is it called? Flaming Sphere to wherever I think he is going to be. How far can you move the Flaming Sphere? Let me see real quick. Flaming Sphere up to 30 feet. Am I past range? Okay. So you run out of the alley. The Sphere comes with you. You can send the Sphere. So basically you and the Sphere move the same distance. 
So I can move the sphere to wherever I think this person is going. Yes. Would you like to go with the sphere or are you going to stop it? I think I'm going to stop maybe 20 yards shy or 20 feet, uh, 10 feet shy of of where the sphere is going. All right. Um, And you send this glowing sphere out. What was your save DC again? Uh, 14. Dex. Okay. Oh, dear. Once again, it's the exact same thing. You send this ball of fire that's lighting up the street. Now some of the other people, you know, the the few people that are in the street are starting to look in your direction kind of curiously. It doesn't connect with anyone as far as you can tell. But once again, you hear that obvious sound of someone dodging. Okay. You know that someone's there. You've gotten close. They're just real slippery. Hmm. Okay. I got one more... Let's see. Yeah, because that was your bonus action, your movement. So you still have an action. Yeah. All right. I'm going to cast Melf's Minute Meteors. <laughs> All right. Describe the, the meteors, the, the minute meteors that are coming to, to so attack this guy. So there are six in my space. They float in the air and they orbit me for the spell's duration. When I cast a spell... And as a bonus action for each of the turns thereafter, I can expend one or two of the meteors, sending them streaking towards a point or towards points you choose within 120 feet of me. So well within range of of this being. Uh, once the reader meteor reaches its destination or impacts against a solid surface, the meteor explodes. And each feet feature within five feet of the point where the meteor explodes must make a dexterity saving throw. Takes two die six damage on a fail or half as much on a success. And I'm on a notch two right to where I think he is, where the noise came from, where I heard the dodging. Okay, so they've got to make, if they're in the area, they've got to make the dexterity saving throws. Are you also making attack rolls, spell attack rolls? I don't think I have to attack roll. It's just, uh... It's just, okay. Yeah. I will make two dexterity saving throws. Oh. Um, go ahead and roll damage for one of them. Okay, cool. I was going to do six damage. Nice. And do these set things on fire? Uh, let me check the, uh, my new thing. Fire damage, but I don't know if it sets anything on fire. Does it not say? It doesn't say anything about setting anything on fire. It doesn't say it does set on fire, so I'll say it does. Roll me, roll me a d100. Oh, okay, cool. And if it's 50 or above, something's going to get set on fire. Uh, it's going to be a 50. <laughs> I love it. You all, and Zephalen will see this shortly, see the pant leg of this person light up with some flame. <laughs> it's not a lot, but it's there. And that's the end of Thaviapin's turn. Zephalen, it's it's to you. Uh, well, now that I can see where they are, I don't need to use mm-hmm. Gizmo to target them. They're still invisible, so it makes it harder for people to hit them. But I can now target them, correct, with a spell? I mean, you could target them before, but I'm going to say you no longer have disadvantage yeah. because you see their pant leg on fire. Well, I'm going to make it easier for my allies to uh, do what they do best. And I'm just going to go ahead and get rid of that invisibility on them by casting uh, Dispel Magic. Okay. I got to look up something real quick. Any spell of third level or lower, it ends. Anything fourth level or higher, I got to make a check, which is DC plus the level of the 10 plus the level. I don't think you have to roll. Nope. It's second level. Yes. So you send out the dispel and it's almost like this person appears from their flaming pant leg up. You see them appear in front of you. They had stopped for a moment in kind of mid-dodge, and it looks like they were pulling out a handkerchief to try to pat the fire down. And as they become visible, they turn to look at you, and then they just stop and go, all right, 
does this have to get nasty? Or at this point, can we just talk? I think it's time for a conversation. And that is where we will pause. And the next time we get together, we'll pick up with a couple different conversations going on, both with this thief and uh, with whoever Una has been talking to inside of the bar. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, then visit us at distinguishedadventurers.com. There you can find links to our podcast and social media, pictures and bios of our cast, info on our Patreon, and much more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our Patreon patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Jesse Florence, Forrest, a.k.a. StabbyQuest, Nate Zakari, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.